Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Wednesday, December 21st. 2022 as we get closer to the holiday season hope that everyone is doing well out there thank you as always for your support of lockdown blue devils and making us your first listen and first watch every single day if you haven't done so be sure to follow us on twitter at lo underscore blue devils and you can follow me on twitter at underscore jj underscore jackson underscore be sure you follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast each and every day Watch us on YouTube. Subscribe there as well. We're continuing our climb towards 1,000 subscribers, and your support of Lockdown Blue Devils means the absolute world to us. On today's show, I'm so thrilled to bring on my good pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham, as we're recapping last night's game for Duke against Wake Forest as the Blue Devils suffered their third loss of the season in an 81-70 defeat against the Wake Forest Demon Dinkins. Kevin, thank you for the time. As always, uh, a really tough loss for the Duke Blue Devils, unfortunately, that we've got to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that was bad. Worst game of the year by far. Um, aside from Jalen Blake's, no one no one had anything last night. A career-high 17 points for Jalen Blake's. We'll get to his performance in just a little bit. The big storyline going into the game was that Duke didn't play in 10 days and then we find out a little bit before the game got going that Duke would be without Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively the second. They were out with non-COVID illness, did not even make the trip over to Winston-Salem with the squad. Tell me a little bit about your mindset when you heard that news going into the game. Well, certainly it was a loss because I had talked to you before the break how these two weeks I thought were going to be the most important for Duke in terms of they're not playing games and it was time to get Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively up to speed after – um, minutes restrictions and preseason injuries were lingering for them. And now they're out of the lineup for, for the, the first game back after this 10-day break, and you're like, okay, like, that stinks. But, like, all right, they weren't really those big contributors previously. So it shouldn't have been that big of a drop-off. And I, I guess it was because, man, this team, this team looked lost. This team, especially defensively, which has been the calling card all season, um, they, they couldn't do anything against – a Wake Forest team, which outside of really a stunning a stunning win on the road against Wisconsin, they haven't been good at all this year. Yeah, you're right. This Wake Forest team had gotten dismantled by Rutgers coming into the game. They were looking for their first win against an AP top 25 opponent under head coach Steve Forbes, and they got it against Duke. Duke went back to a lineup that featured Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young. Uh, and you mentioned Filipowski's play along with Jeremy Roach. Those two guys had arguably their worst games of the season for the Duke Blue Devils, and uh, Duke definitely needs those two guys to be firing on all cylinders if they are, in fact, going to be without somebody like Derek Whitehead and, and Derek Lively. Yeah, I mean, you look at Jeremy Roach first. He didn't play in that Maryland Eastern Shore game, which we all said was a good idea. Like, if he had a toe bothering him, Duke should be able to handle Maryland Eastern Shore without Jeremy Roach. And I think they gave him a couple more days um, after practice uh, just, uh, during practice just to rest. But, I mean, he, he didn't – he looked – that might have been one of his worst games in a Duke uniform. Kyle Filipowski, I think that was easily his worst game in a Duke uniform. And in the first half, they just continued to shoot from three. They didn't even try to work the ball down low. And Wake Forest, at one point, weren't even guarding the three-point line. 
it was it was ugly, ugly, ugly um, from everyone outside of named Jalen Blakes. Yeah, you mentioned the Duke play from the three-point line. I mean, again, inefficient. You, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see the box score with us there. Kyle Filipowski, 4 of 14 from the floor and did not make a single three-point jumper. And uh, Duke is a team that we know their struggles from the three-point line. If they're not making the shots, hopefully they're grabbing the offensive rebounds. As again, they're the top offensive rebounding rate in the country. Uh, but that just was not the case here against Wake Forest. Yeah, it wasn't, and it was it was kind of startling because, all right, I guess you could say it was the perfect storm. I mean, you have a 10-day layoff, you're coming off finals, you're injured, and you're playing a conference game on the road. Like, everything added up where, all right, this, this could be bad. And sure. you were hoping this team had the mental fortitude that they could overcome that, that they could still find a way to win a basketball game, and they just couldn't. Um, I mean, John Shire even went deep into his bench and tried to bring on Jaden shoot to try and jumpstart the, the lineup a little bit. I guess maybe it did. He played two minutes, and you see on the box score right there, he had a net rating of plus one. So, I mean, it was tough. I mean, he wasn't good defensively, and he didn't shoot a three-pointer. So, I don't know. You really can't take away from those, anything from those two minutes on the court. Yeah, you talk about the Stuke squad. Again, in the game against Wake Forest, only had the lead for 19 seconds. When it was 4-2 to two very early in the game, Duke had the lead. Uh, a nine-point deficit for the Blue Devils at halftime. And in the second half, Wake Forest stretched the lead to as large as 15. Duke only got as close as seven in the second half of play. So really, in that second half, kind of a wire-to-wire victory for Wake Forest. And uh, very surprised that we saw that from the Stuke team. Look, it is not the end of the world. It is it is very important to stress that. I think so, so often uh, we can become – kind of overreactionary people when you've got a defeat like this for the Duke Blue Devils, but definitely a bit of a wake-up call. And here we are again, Kevin, knowing that Duke's about to go into another long layoff and they won't yeah. play again until the 31st. Now, I think the, the positive is that they play Florida State yeah. coming out of that, almost like a bye game almost, I guess, but um, kind of get your legs back under you before the real rigors of ACC play happens. But you mentioned it. It looked like you're like, all right, Sluggish, 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 but they knocked the rust off and off and running after, um, I think, three straight possessions. Proctor hit a three, Blake's hit a three, uh, Wake Forest had a couple of free throws, and then Blake's came down and hit another three, and they got within seven. And that was still with like eight and a half to go, and you're like, all right, here we go. Here comes the run, here comes Duke, and they're going to have one of these big comeback victories where we're all celebrating, and it kind of it kind of masks um, the struggles that they had. But it didn't come. The offense still was stagnant. Wake Forest, they were Duke was in foul trouble. Um, they got to the free throw line. They made down timely three pointers. They made their free throws, and Duke made. A, they were just missing everything. I mean, there was a there was a sequence there. You had Ryan Young, a beautiful spin move, missed the layup. Kyle Filipowski late in the game when Duke was, I think, still within nine, missed the layup, and nothing fell for Duke. It didn't at all, and that's a bad thing for the Duke squad as they suffered their third loss of the season and first loss in conference play. I want to talk a little bit more about Jalen Blake's performance in last night's game against Wake Forest. And again, take a look at what's ahead for the Duke Blue Devils after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball in the World Cup, We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline. 
or always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my buddy Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Jalen Blakes, a career-high 17 points last night for the Blue Devils, a career-high three three-point shots made in a basketball game, and he was the one bright shining star for Duke last night. He really was, and I think um, throughout the game, I tweeted this out, and I was thinking in my mind, I was like, Play, play five guys that want to be out there. Like, and I probably shouldn't say it like that because I, I wasn't questioning Duke's heart or Duke's hustle or Duke's energy level. It was just bad execution all the way around. Um, but Jalen breaks. He had that heart. He had that hustle. And he had good execution. So you see there, 26 minutes, I think that should have been more. Because especially in that second half, he was, he was their best player. He was the only one that was able to make shots, which you probably wouldn't expect that going into the game. No, you wouldn't. And uh, to get the offense that Duke got from Jalen Blake's was awesome. The shot looks great. It's a shot that we really did not know much about going into the season, but we've praised it so far this year, and rightfully so. He has been a bright spot for the Stukeman's basketball team. And look, somebody needed to step up because, yes, it is fair to say, okay, no Derek Whitehead, no Derek Lively the second. Well, Duke hasn't really had those guys for good portions of the season anyway. But that's not necessarily the case, as those two players in particular were really starting to find a rhythm, really starting to get into a groove. And you would have thought that somebody like Jalen Blakes would be impacted by that, with those guys getting more run, Whitehead in particular, out there on the wing spot and that sort of thing. So Blakes picked a really nice t- uh, time to have a great game. Yeah, unfortunately for him, it came in a loss and no one else helped him. And, yeah. and that's Imagine saying that at the beginning of the season, nobody else helped Jalen Blakes out there. And if you were to say that at the beginning of the year, like, man, this outstanding game from Jalen Blakes, but nobody else helped him. I mean, you would imagine it would come in a loss. But, yeah, it, it stings because I've always been so high on Derek Whitehead since the offseason and the preseason, even during the season. I said, he's going to find it. He's going to get going. And once he gets going, you're going to be wowed at what this kid could do. But it seems like just a lot of bad luck, the broken foot, now a non-COVID illness. You would imagine he'll be back out there for Florida State on New Year's Eve, though. Yeah, I certainly would think that he's going to be back in action as with uh, Derek Lively the second as well. Uh, the Stukeman's basketball squad again falls to Wake Forest, eighty-one to seventy. Foul trouble also was a story for Duke in this one. Jalen Blake's fouled out. Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski had four fouls each. They played in foul trouble throughout the second half, and really uh, offensively again, those guys just did not have efficient and effective games for the Duke Blue Devils, and they've got to find a way to get more production out of those guys when they're struggling on the offensive end because those have been the scorers primarily for Duke through these first 13 games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think now a lot falls on the shoulders of John Shire because you look at the previous two losses Duke yeah. has had. And the Kansas one, everyone was like, okay, like they lost, but like they showed improvement. It was Derek Lively, one of his first games back. They didn't have Derek Whitehead. And you're like, okay, like you could see the positives to take out of this game. They lose to Purdue, and you're like, all right, Purdue was a wagon out in the Phil Knight Invitational. They were just rolling over everybody. And you're like, okay, they ran into a hot team. Uh, shots didn't fall, but but they, they battled. They came back. They showed good effort. This was like th- there's not any positive takeaways, in my opinion, outside of, outside of Blake's. Like, so it, it's, all right, do, what do you chalk it up to? Do you chalk it up to? the team not being ready, that falls on the coaching staff. You didn't have the team ready coming off a 10-day layoff after finals 
and they still had that weekend plus yesterday to get ready for this game coming after finals. It's not like they had their tests on on yeah. Thursday and had to play on Friday. It, was, it wasn't like that. They still had a weekend and, and so on and so forth. So um, I think the coaching staff um, should take a lot of heat for this loss as well. And we'll see how they can make adjustments moving forward. We'll see how the rotation is impacted. Again, it's just we talk about the first true road game for Duke yeah. as well. Not to just mention conference play. When Duke played their non-conference games, they were in neutral site settings or played them on the home floor. Yes, it is winter break for Wake Forest. Not as many rowdy students there on hand to see it. But still, it was a full crowd that did not want to see Duke win that basketball game. And so that was the first time that this group, with so many newcomers, was thrusted into an environment like that. And also, I mean, historically, a lot of Duke fans are in the Winston-Salem area, and it's not far from Durham, and they go to the games. And this team didn't even give the Duke fans that were there a chance to try and get in the game and try and make some noise and spur them on outside of that little run they had when Blake's hit two threes and Proctor hit a three midway through the second half. They didn't even give uh, the Duke fans a chance to try and make their presence known in the arena. Good point. Yeah, that's something that, uh, again, when Duke goes back out on the road, uh, hopefully, uh, again, it'll be another short trip because their next road game is at the start of the new year going to Raleigh to take on NC State. Hopefully, and you know, I know how raucous yeah, exactly. yeah. that place could be. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, Kevin, right, is you just got to find a way to take the crowd out of it and yeah. you be the aggressor if you're the opposition, if you're the opposing team. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I knew this, but I'm just looking at the box score again. Last lead, 4-2. I mean, it was basically wire to wire, Wake Forest won yeah. this game. Only 19 total seconds. Duke had yeah. the lead in this one. I mean, it's a, a really tough defeat for Duke last night. Uh, Mark Mitchell, 14 points for the Blue Devils. Knocked down a couple of three-point shots from the outside. Trying to find a way to fit Mark Mitchell into the offense, I think is going to continue to be a development that we watch throughout the rest of the year because he can do so much for Duke. But when you're playing him out there on the floor with Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young, the spacing and everything just kind of gets a little weird. And and that's also what I was talking about, JJ. And I'm not trying to to bash Shire and the coaching staff, but like the spacing has been a problem all year. And like you just had 10 days off and like, all right, you were without two of your key players, but like nothing didn't look like anything changed. Like the spacing was still bad. And like these five players have been out on the floor together before. And it just looked like it was like they played last week. Nothing changed. It looked didn't look like they made any adjustments in their 10 days off. And they're certainly going to need to make adjustments moving forward because, again, they've got another break before Florida State. Locked on Blue Devils here, J.J. Jackson, alongside my buddy Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Kevin, tell me a little bit about Ball Durham, what you guys have going on over there, my friend. Ball Durham, you can catch us out. Bowl game coming up in a a couple of days here for the Duke football team, and obviously we got wall-to-wall coverage of Duke men's basketball. We got coverage of Duke women's basketball. We got it all. Anything Duke you want, we got. So follow us, uh, Ball underscore Durham, and visit us every day uh, at www.balldurham.com. So when we chat next week, we'll be a little bit closer to the game against Florida State, but let's talk about it right now. I mean, that's the next game coming up for the Blue Devils. Uh, Florida State is a squad in the ACC that has really struggled this season. As we mentioned, with Whitehead and Lively being out with non-COVID illnesses, we would anticipate that they're able to come back and play for Duke the next time they take the hardwood. It will be Coach K Court at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So back at home for Duke. Uh, but tell me a little bit about this next matchup for the Blue Devils. 
Well, you know, it's interesting, JJ. I know you do stuff with Auburn. I also do stuff with St. John's, and sure. I just got a chance. I just got a chance to watch Florida State in person. St. John's played them down in Florida. I went down for the game um, to cover it, and um, I, I was Florida. They have talent, but they're not connected whatsoever. They can't defend anybody. Me, you, and a couple others to go out there and and score on Florida State. So. I think Duke should have their way offensively in the game. I was a little surprised about Florida State. I thought their game against St. John's would be a little bit more competitive because, all right, they were coming in off two wins against Louisville and South Carolina Upstate. But prior to that, they had played Purdue very close and they had played Virginia very close. So I was expecting a better Florida State team, and we didn't see that St. John's went up by as many as 20, and they ended up winning by 15. So assuming Duke has the full complement of players on their roster available, I think they should be able to handle Florida State at home. And like I said earlier, I don't know if you really want to treat it like a bye game, but but it should be because Florida State's not that good. They're going to have an awful record coming into the game, and it's a game – it's not a must-win. It's a can't-lose. You know what I mean? Right. When you look at Florida State basketball – under head coach Leonard Hamilton, let's take the last 10, 15 years, for example. A key ingredient to his teams, Kevin, has always been size and length. I mean, it feels like they start seven-footers all the way across every single year. It feels as though Florida State has a massive team. Is that the case once again this year? And if so, how can Duke combat that, you think? Well, yes and no, because they'll still be without their – seven-foot freshman center, Baba Miller, who was suspended for the first 16 games of the season. I believe it was because he received improper benefits. So we got suspended 16 oh. games. So you look at, I'm looking at Florida State's schedule right now. They've played 13. They have one more before Duke, which is Notre Dame. So that would be game number 14, and Duke would be game number 15. So they will still be without their seven-foot freshman center. They still have a couple of one big guy on the roster, but it should be nothing that St. John's can't handle. Um, or I should say Duke can't handle, Duke, excuse yeah. me, <laughs> in a couple in a couple of weeks um, at home, especially anticipating the return of uh, Derek Lively. Yeah, and again, trying to figure out how in the world Duke rotates the front court is going to be the biggest thing for John Shire and company because you're factoring Lively back into the action. Filipowski's got to bounce back. Ryan Young did his part uh, for the Blue Devils against Wake Forest. But again, Ryan Young isn't a player that you're banking on having amazing games in order for Duke to pick up wins like that. So uh, against a front court like Florida State and other teams to come in the ACC, I think the way Duke rotates their own front court is going to be really telling throughout the rest of the year. I think so, too. And Ryan Young, I think uh, I guess I'm guilty of it as well. People trying to bash on Ryan Young. He's good as a role player coming off the bench. But he really he's, lim he's limited in what he can do. He shouldn't be out there playing 25 to 30 minutes plus a game. He should be around that 15 to 17 range. And if there's foul trouble, all right, then he can get over 20 minutes. But he's good as a role player. He's limited athletically and what he can do. And I think that's where you really need Derek Lively to step up and be that athletic rim-protecting center that Duke desperately needs offensively that can also put his back to the basket, which he hasn't done all year, and get you a bucket when you need it in the paint. All right, you mentioned it a second ago. Here we are, uh, uh, one week shy of the bowl game for Duke football when they take on UCF. Today, Wednesday, December 21st, also uh, doubles as early signing day, national signing day. Duke has a remarkable class from top to bottom that Coach Elko has been able to put together. Uh, just your thoughts right now on the state of Duke football. It's never looked better, in my opinion. 
I mean, the 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 arrow is skyrocketing uh, up top for for Mike Elko and this Duke football program. Uh, I'm really excited for the bowl game. I I, I don't want to tip my hand, but I think they win. I think they beat UCF, and I think they come back to Durham with probably one of the best seasons ever in the history of Duke football, given the preseason expectations and what this team was able to accomplish. So excited to see all of it, and I know that we'll have uh, full coverage that we can read from you and the rest of your team there at Ball Durham. Kevin, as always, the time is so greatly appreciated. Thanks for being on the podcast today. JJ, appreciate it. Uh, Talk to everybody in a little bit. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all those watching. Merry Christmas. That's our good pal Kevin Connolly, who will be back with us next week as well. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening and watching Lockdown Blue Devils. Your support means the absolute world. Do us a favor. Go ahead and subscribe on YouTube as well. We'll be back on the air tomorrow uh, with a brand new edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. For Kevin Connolly, I'm JJ Jackson saying thank you and good day. Good day.